0: Hello and welcome back to Sabbath School From Home, a podcast that has been um, tossed and turned in recent weeks, and you'll have noted the um, falling out of sequence in terms of publication dates and times, and we're doing our best to keep it going. Life is, is busy for all of us. But it's pretty exciting because in this episode we've got the team of four back, so I'm excited for this. My name's Lachlan. Now um. we
1: don't even know what order we're meant to be doing the introductions. <laughs> no, totally we're totally we completely lost. But I'm going to say, k'day, I'm Ken. I'm
2: Luke. And I'm Cameron.
0: Now, it's there's something I've been saving up for when we were all back uh, on a session, and it's an email that we received um, from a listener in Tennessee. And they they had some positive comments, and we're always excited to hear of the ways that um, people have discovered or, or heard of our podcast But Ken, I thought you'd particularly appreciate this. It seems as if we've found our niche as a podcast because um, Shona writes, um, I'm grateful for this podcast. Uh, After saying a few other remarks, Shona comments, My son is a physics lecturer, and my sister in law and her husband are maths teachers in Texas, so that gives me things in common. Keep it up, please. So there we are, but that that represents the niche that we that we exist to satisfy. I think
3: <laughs> physicists <laughs> and maths teachers. Well, specifically, people <laughs> related to physicists and maths teachers.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're pretty excited to have you listening, even if you don't know anyone who's a physicist or a maths teacher. Um, uh, Shona commented uh, that the podcast is is helping. Um, she living in a camper trailer while building a home having a hard time uh, getting her own Bible study in such a confined environment. And our podcast has been a way that, that she's found that helps. So we're That's super fun. excited and delighted to hear that. And obviously um, for everyone else out there who, who's discovering this or listening to it, in whatever way you're finding it to be useful, we're, we're so grateful. We have said many times, we, we keep coming back to this thing and pressing the record button on our devices because we get something out of it also. So um, everything Everything after the upload process on the podcast host is is total bonus. We're we're really grateful for that. So thanks for that comment, Shona. It, it gave me a great grin, and I've been saving it up to share with the team when we were all back together. The topic that we're up to um, for this episode is is continuing our plod through the Book of Ephesians. Uh, I say plod, but actually it's been quite an interesting and and fairly engaging journey because we've just been systematically stepping through. Uh, sort of half chapter by half chapter. And, and for this episode, we're up to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're tasked with reading the first 20 verses. So I think maybe we should just dive into it, read through it, and then uh, see what jumps out at us.
1: Well, I'm excited to do that. Let me start. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things...
3: That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: All right, that's taken us to verse 20. So that's that's the passage we've got to look at. Um, a, f- a few things jump out at me straight away. There's very clearly here a contrast between don't do, and then there's a whole list of things that are deemed to be um, inappropriate and evil, but instead do, and then there's sort of admonitions to, to do certain things. Um, what... What immediately comes to your minds?
2: I was wondering, Locke, if um any church in the history of church has placed equal emphasis on greed to sexual immorality. Oh,
3: Cam, I was doing the same wondering.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I can report that our our Sabbath school lesson, which has been quite good this quarter, um doesn't. Cam, it seems to spend a little bit more time on the sexual immorality it seems to me from a cursory glance than it does on some of the others. So you're exactly right. I think, I think there's I mean, been a very strong... It, it, it's fascinating
3: um, to me that we should presumably consciously do this because if you look at the two of those, um, greed is the much more subtle and dangerous one. Yeah. I mean, you know what sexual immorality is. It, it's, it's obvious, uh, but greed can can manifest in all sorts of subtle ways um, that people can be very blind to, and I, it's, it's very
1: dangerous. I've uh, and of course greed, that's true of greed. It is also so true of any kind of impurity. Um, mm. I've been really challenged by this. I just share this as a as part of my journey. Um, uh, and there've been occasions um, where I've felt the need to be sort of on my spiritual game, if you like. Um, and uh, recent times, w- Wendy and I have been watching a, uh, uh, a television series about um, uh, an MI5 uh, group. Uh, it's, a, it's a series called Slow Horses. It's quite graphic, um, uh, quite violently graphic in on occasions, severed heads and the like. And I... While the show is fascinating and the character development is quite intriguing. I've just we're about halfway through uh or we were about halfway through and and I I just sort of came to the the realization that uh, is this really something that builds up um mm-hmm. uh or, or am I just you know blunting my spiritual acuity with this? I don't want to sound uh, sanctimonious and you know <laughs> Overly righteous, but uh, I, I I was just challenged um, with, with, with that. And, and this text, any kind of impurity, was seems to speak to that sort of situation. Mm.
2: It seems to me that Paul's not too worried about sounding sanctimonious no. in this passage. No, he's quite, he's, so. He's quite, quite so. It's quite direct.
3: I say that's probably an accusation you could never level at Paul. That he was too careful about sanctimonious.
2: But, but the bit about um. the bit about that makes sanctimonious a um a uh, what's the word you, when you a pejorative term, is is the suggestion of hypocrisy. Yes. yes, true. Um, so what differentiates the person who's sanctimonious from the person who is um, uh, who is driven by a righteous cause is is the suggestion of hypocrisy, and this is also seems to. Be be what paul's addressing is saying you've got to live life seriously mm. and mm. honestly there's no pretense about this
3: yeah i i well i, I wanted to say can first i think that your insight there is very wise and i i don't see anything anything sanctimonious or judgmental about about being selective in what you choose to view for the purposes of entertainment
1: i have
0: to
3: yeah. say
1: it's very hard because it's a very engaging series, and I really want to know how it finishes. Um, but, well, and the characters are intriguing, and I want to see how they work out, but I just you know, it's just, oh, I just I don't think this is right.
2: Uh, well, if, while we're on the subject of being sanctimonious, the choice of churches to prioritise sexual immorality as a topic for discussion over greed is sanctimonious.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say the other problem with the... to me, implied by the word sanctimonious is a pride. I think it becomes a problem when you're yes. trying to mm. um, sort of use it as a way of boasting. And although it was greed here rather than the word pride, it seems to me that pride is something, if it had to be forced into Ephesians 5, it would certainly have to be forced into the list of um, sinful ways of living that we are called not to have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the other interesting thing about it is, uh, so if you look in verse... Uh, 3, you see there's, you shouldn't have a hint of these things, sexual immorality, Mm. any kind of impurity or greed because they are improper. And then if you go down to verse 5, for this you can be sure, no immoral, see the reference back to sexual immorality, impure, see the reference Mm. back to any kind of impurity, or greedy person, see the reference back to greed, Mm. such a man is an idolater. Now, there's mm. the core of the issue with these things. Um, it's the idolatry that's involved in these things. And I think it's interesting to reflect on what is what is it about those things that constitutes idolatry?
0: Mm. I thought the same thought, Ken, as we read through it, because it's very clearly implied here as if it's a logical progression. Um, I think that um, one element of it is the... Uh, idolizing the self in a Mm. way um i mean greed particularly and sexual immorality i guess by implication um are are a bit around focused around the idea of self-gratification the 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 idolatry focused on oneself
2: Mm. Mm. um c.s lewis was once asked uh whether being a christian would make you happy he said i don't know i never became a christian for that reason he said, uh, "While it lasts, the religion that brings the most happiness is the worship of oneself." Mm.
0: <sighs> mm. Well, I'm very grateful, Cam, that you you've joined this podcast recording. It's been quite some time since we referred to C.S. Lewis, <laughs> so <laughs> we've been very remiss. <laughs> but it's it's not something to be flippant about. It's a very perceptive well, comment, I, I, as many I of his think are.
3: A very good insight, Ken, uh, about the the connection with idolatry, you know, and the the worship of things other than God. Um, you know, mm. greed is the worship of money or wealth or power.
2: The, yeah, the thing that jumped out at me, though, was that these people have no share in the inheritance of the kingdom. And it seems to me that if we are going to exclude all greedy people, there's not going to be very many people left. And hmm. I'm, well, I'm wondering to what extent, what, what was Paul trying to say here? Because, of course, Paul is a great champion of God's grace and of God hmm. um, interceding and helping sinners and he calls himself the chief of sinners and he talks about the struggles he has within himself that he doesn't do the things that he wants to do and he he does the things that he doesn't want to do and but then you read a statement in this passage which is fairly clear-cut that you know these mm-hmm. people who are greedy um have no share in the kingdom so
3: we talked about this a little bit last week um something i find very encouraging in ephesians there is an uh, an example of it in, in this passage that we've read today, too. It's down in, in 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, um, where it says, Be very careful how you live. Don't be unwise, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Do not be foolish. Do not get drunk on wine. Paul is, is instructing people to make choices, good choices. In other words he's saying try to do this because it's the right thing to do and recognize that those other things are evil
1: mm. it's it's a it's a very interesting um, concept too that that uh, uh, be very careful then how you live this is this is the human uh, the great human question how then should I live uh, and it's mm. and it's the decision that we that we well, I call it a decision, but it's the course that we have to take with our lives. We, we, have, to, um, we have to give direction to our lives. Um, we have to live. We, 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 and, and it's not just a matter of theory. Um, it's a matter of practice. It's not just a matter of doctrine um, and of making sure we, uh, as, as is often said, believe the right things in an intellectual way um the, the 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 real crucial issue is how we live this is mm. the thing about which we must take great care now I'm not suggesting that the things that we think and the things that we believe don't impact how we live um uh, but the purpose of the thinking and the believing is to give direction to the living
2: I think often mm. can the purpose behind what we say we believe is to simply to defend the way we live
1: okay mm.
2: Mm.
3: yeah yeah and i i think i mean so that just to clarify the reason that i've been finding Ephesians so encouraging is because paul makes it abundantly clear in how often he repeats these sort of um encouragements that it is a choice or they are choices he is encouraging mm. the the people that he's writing to to do better, to, to yeah. make different choices,
2: to make better choices. If if he actually believed that anyone who had been greedy once never made it into heaven, there wouldn't be at uh, any point advising people to stop being greedy, because once they've been greedy, it's too late. It, so, exactly. So the fact so that he's offering the advice it, suggests that this is grounded in grace, that God's wanting you to make a new start today, make I, a new start yeah. right now.
3: I do wonder if the, if the translation to English, and I I wonder if it does us some disservices. Because we have this thing in English, we have this distinction between, you can say a person is greedy, or you can say a person Mm. is being greedy, right? Mm. And there's a vast gulf in the difference, in the difference of of the meaning there. Because the first one says, this is inherent to this person's character. This is who they are. It is their identity. Mm. They're a greedy person. The second one just says, they have chosen to be greedy in this instance. They're perhaps even now regretting it, and, and they, they, they haven't done it in other instances.
1: Yeah.
3: Right? It is, it
1: is a distinction, although it's interesting to um, just push back a little bit on that and ask the question, well, what is it that makes a person greedy? Is it not their greedy conduct?
3: Well, it, um. it, well <laughs> what makes a person greedy is, of course, their greedy conduct, but what makes us think of a person as greedy or not mm-hmm. is not necessarily their conduct, but the language we use to describe them. Uh, which is why when I am telling my daughter that she has done something wrong, I never try and say, you are lazy, you are yeah. disobedient. Yeah. You are yeah. being disobedient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because mm. you can be different to that. And I think what what the sense I get anyway from from this passage of Paul is that what Paul means is people who are being greedy, people who are being immoral, have no place in the kingdom. So choose not to Exhibit Uh, that behaviour.
1: Now, now here's something I want to pick up on. Such a man is an idolater um, and has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, the first thing that Cam did there was say, well, that means they're not going to get to heaven. Um, Well, Hmm. is that what we mean by the kingdom of Christ and of God? And if that is what we mean, then is heaven something that is only in the future? Or is heaven something that is here now? Indeed, Jesus spoke about the kingdom uh, and its presence uh, now. Um, so that's one thing. Is it merely getting to heaven when you die or when you haven't died and Christ comes again? Is this, is this all the kingdom is and is this all we're talking about? And if this is all we're talking about, um, uh, then uh, how is this anything other than saying, well, Uh, make sure you do the right thing so that you can get to heaven. And is that consistent Mm. with uh, the Protestant uh, grace and faith-based salvation? The the second thing is, it's not so much in here, it it doesn't say you don't have any place in the kingdom. Um, It says you don't have any place, you don't have any inheritance in the kingdom. Mm. Um, So you might get to heaven, You just might not be very wealthy when you get there. Um, Which am a greedy person greatly, I'm sure. Which is a really good point.
2: Um, The message says this. um, uh, You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere, and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Mm. In other words, it's not a path that leads to where you want to go.
0: Yeah. And I, this is a comment I was—I've been feeling as we've been discussing this. I feel like the first half of the passage that we read, uh, about the first nine verses or so, is a deliberately and o- overly stark, but deliberately overly stark kind of juxtaposition of two things. It's not—it's not really trying to be a discussion of what merits one's salvation or even one's standing with God. It's—it's it's trying to talk about how we live. And it's painting a an ex, in any in a sense a sort of an exaggerated extremes to try and make a point, which is the point is be thoughtful. And in verse ten, that comes out carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Um, in verse fifteen, it comes out, Luke. You've already drawn our attention to this. So be careful how you live. In other words, the the real point here is to be thoughtfully engaged. Um, you know, a little bit like your, your little anecdote that you shared, Ken. You know, is it a good thing to watch or a bad thing to watch? There's nuance there. It's hard because there are good things. There are bad things. So really what we're called to as Christians is to be non trivial, mm. not trite, but to be thoughtful and careful and engaged. I, I think that's um really and good so point. I, I find that helps I see the first couple of verses here as painting an extreme sort of juxtaposition to call us into an alertness. The,
3: the very the very fact, Ken, that you were wondering, pondering, considering whether or not it is a good thing to watch this show, mm. suggests to you that it's it, it, it's it's important to you whether or not something is a good thing to do, as opposed to just being concerned with, <laughs> well, I want to, so I will, um, mm. which is, which is very often the the value system that falls in by default. Uh, when we don't consider good and evil to be objective realities.
0: Talking about good and evil, there's one other really important comment or topic that we need to briefly discuss, and I'm keeping my eye on the clock. So I think we might need to move there, and it's verse um, 18 and 19. Um, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And the lesson actually poses a question to us. Um, how can you use music to enhance your own worship experience? I think there's actually uh, some interesting ideas here. Um, there's been a history of all sorts or manner of ideas about about music and how it can be used in the Christian experience or perhaps even how it might not be able to be used.
2: Um, look, there's, there's lots of things that have been said. And this is, I'm going to bring in a C.S. Lewis reference, which everyone should go read because it's fascinating, but it's definitely very much dated. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay on church music, and it was not comparing the good, faithful, holy tradition of hymn singing with the unholy, you know, devil-inspired worship song that includes guitars and drums. His his discussion was talking about the good, wholesome tradition of... um, church choirs professional church choirs singing bark and mm. you know proper music mm. with the vulgar practice of hymn singing and yeah. um which c.s lewis did not enjoy him <laughs> singing he much more enjoyed the the prof- but what's interesting is what he says about it and uh what he says is look it's we mustn't imagine that anyone who sings a song for god is giving god the same sort of pleasure that we get when we hear good music god probably has access mm. to musicians who are a little better than us. Um, so the, what God must be appreciating is the intent. And it is possible to be okay. greedy in church with regard to your choice of music, as it is possible to be greedy anywhere else. And it's also possible to be generous.
1: Mm. Mm. What one might suspect that the holy, holy, holy of the creatures around the throne um, is, is perhaps uh, a little uh, more professional than the uh, holy, holy, holy... Uh, hymn number 367, yeah. uh, sung in the uh, regional church with the uh, seven um, people over 80. Um, uh, yes. Uh, uh, but the but the professionalism of it may not
2: be the well, test of, of its,
1: the, the mark of its yeah. worth.
2: It may be, God may value, in fact, the, the regional church with the yeah. seven people over 80 more than yeah. um, than the angels around his throne because they they're worshiping him without without being you know overpowered by his imminence mm, mm. Um, I think it's interesting mm. isn't
1: it too that there's a there's there's a reference to these three different types of things the psalms the hymns, mm. and the spiritual songs um yeah. well we're quite uh, there's, theres often a lot of controversy about songs um we're happy with we, we're, we're happy we're happy with <laughs> hymns um but how often do we actually how often do we actually have psalms? Um, Mm. And and, and isn't it interesting that what we do with these things too, we speak to one another with these things. Um, Isn't it interesting Mm. then that uh, what we've all been talking about and what the lesson asks about is how do we worship God? Uh, And yet it would seem that these things are to minister to each other, uh, not so much to... uh, um, uh, to worship God, what we do with God is we sing and make music in our heart to the Lord. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to speak to each other.
3: I can fairly confidently say I've never spoken to someone else in song. <laughs> 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 but I'm, I'm not nice. sure that the literal meaning is is the
2: no, important one here. I, I, I think there is a distinction. The distinction is this. Um, We know that, you know, as Adventists, we say how we eat can affect our capacity to interact with God, our state of health, and if you're in pain or if you're in discomfort or if Mm -hmm. you're um, drunk or something, you know, it affects your ability to communicate with God. We recognise that our spiritual experience is being hosted, as it were, within a physical body. And so what we do is we, we know from experience that certain things produce in us a physiological effect. You know, there's a reason football um, teams have songs that there's fans sing and armies get people to sing when they're frightened or marching. And it's a way you can m- reduce fear. We just know that certain songs and certain types of music bring to us an emotional state that we think is appropriate for when we are approaching God. And so we adopt the practice. And if every person got a spiritual high out of playing 10 pin bowling, every church would have 10 pins at the front of it and, um, so there Probably is, really there is just world. a sense in which the fact that this is a shared experience is the only reason for including it in a group service. It is very much a mm. thing that we are speaking to each other. We, as we uplift each other, as we sing, we are uplifting everyone else around us. Mm. And it means that if you're in a church situation where music is causing division, then just stop the music. <laughs> Silence would be better.
1: There are times, there are, there are times when... Of course, not in my current church experience, um, but uh, where I, I'm not entirely sure that participating and that the others uh, participating in it speak to me. It's one of the it's one of the real disadvantages of having um, uh, some musical um, facility uh, that it actually means that you can't enjoy some things that aren't done to the standard mm. that actually bring you pleasure Um, uh, so it's a disadvantage in many ways Uh...
0: as we're discussing this I'm reminded of there's a tension even in my own lived experience I've in recent years and and I think although I hate to admit it 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 is possibly simply connected with the process of of growing older Uh, but I have found myself being less connected and excited by and enthused about the music in church um, perhaps than I used to be most of the time. I sometimes muse to those close to me what church might be like if we didn't have any music in it. And I think of it with a kind of longing and a sort of almost, um, you know, a hope on a pedestal. You know, to me, that, that starts to sound quite attractive. And yet, even as I even as I make those confessions, I, I recognize that one of the things I do for fun in my life is play with a local community brass band whose basic mission is to travel about 6 or 8 times a year to regional adventist churches and bring music to them and i sit in the brass band and i play my trombone and i love it and i i you know rehearsals are a great way to just put things aside a little bit in the middle of the week. It's a great bit of time just mentally and emotionally for me um, to, to connect with a different group of people, doing a different sort of activity, performances. Uh, there's a certain excitement. There's a, there's a certain element of uh, concentration and focus. There's the, there's the feeling of doing something together with the other instruments in the band. So there's a coming together, a uniting. There's, there's a feeling of being enjoyed by the congregations that we go and play to. People comment, people sometimes smile, sometimes people clap, sometimes people um, share afterwards their own experiences of when they were young and, and participating in a band. So I can't be, I'm not at all consistent. I, I. On the one hand, I sit here sometimes longing for a church without music. And on the other hand, I go traveling to churches specifically to bring music with a brass band. Um, i don't quite know how to put those two together. I think obviously that the most the most um, immediately apparent observation is that participating be, being one of the people involved in making the music necessarily means that my attitudes towards the music have changed uh, as opposed to being a person in a large room where there are others kind of singing at me and so I suppose one of the important messages might be, the, the idea of finding ways to make our music as inclusive and encourage uh, sort of collective participation. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm open to counselling on this. I'd say Lachlan
1: Rogers, <laughs> welcome to humanity and the world yeah. of inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, Lach, <laughs> the direction I was heading in
2: is that um, not that we should be united in music, that music is a part of church which has to be there and we should all be united around it. Uh, my point is that if we find ourselves unified and want to express that musically, then we ought. Um, so the music is meant to be an expression of the unity. And where the unity doesn't exist, and the music is just mm. divisive, then find a different way. But where it does exist, then then do it. You know, uh, there's a sense in which this distinction between singing songs in your heart to God and and speaking to each other mm. in songs. There's a sense in which we come to church because we're a community.
0: Yes, yeah, so I mean, what you are echoing there, um, and again, just, just for the benefit, uh, particularly Cam and Ken, because you've, you've not been at at a number of our recent recordings. The theme of unity has been loud and clear all through the book of Ephesians so far um it's been a thing to which we are called it's been discussed some of the mechanisms for getting there and and it's particularly the unity between gentiles and Mm. jews so the people that that are new to the community versus those who feel some sense of entitlement and there are there are obvious obstacles to unity in that context and paul has been calling everyone to unity so your um identifying of unity as being a a key and important theme that relates to music is absolutely front and centre here. It it is not peripheral at all. Uh, I think it's extremely valid.
2: Locke, I'm on the clock too. I want to talk a little bit about this verse about the Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, I think we should, because this was the other thing. There's a weird juxtaposition there, isn't there? It's isn't a, there. It's the, a the Holy delightful Spirit. play on words, at least in its translation <laughs> into English, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. am, am, I, am I to take that the Holy Spirit is being compared in some way with
2: intoxication?
1: Yeah, get, don't get drunk on alcohol, get drunk on the Spirit. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> now, there's a story which I'm sure I've shared on this podcast, but Ken said he, he hadn't heard it, and it would have to have been more than a year ago. Um Ken did you know that my dad uh, kept the Holy Spirit in a fairly greasy oil container in our shed for years and years and years I I I didn't know yeah. that Ken We used to have church once a year up in the bush <laughs>
0: Well you knew we um, knew it was we knew it was the Holy Spirit Ken because it was very clearly labeled the container had Holy yeah. Spirit written on it
2: <laughs> Yeah it was an it was an old oil container with Holy Spirit written on it and we used to we used to have church ones like one in, of those
1: ones where you squeeze the button no, no, and the oil like comes your, out or like
2: a, a four liter oh four liter yeah yeah okay yep um, we we used to have church once a year up in the bush and um, uh, with a college church and we'd all go up and have a picnic in the pine forest in the Wadigans. and um, our Dad took the children's story once and he was comparing the church to a fire. And saying how you can't light a fire with just all small sticks, or just all big sticks, or just all paper, or just all matches, or just you know you need different things, and the different things actually have to work together. You can't put all the big logs over here and all the little logs there. And and he tried to light a fire about six times unsuccessfully. Um, and then he showed that if you actually combine the sticks uh, in the right way and you stack it together, and then and then you light it, and then the fire lit, and it was on a board of fibro. And then he said, of course, one of the things that really helps a church is the Holy Spirit. And he said, I had to get permission from the fire brigade to use this Holy Spirit. And it was a, I think it was a mixture of engine oil and diesel or something. And he, he, he had it labelled Holy Spirit and he tipped it out and, a, and it, he thought that was fantastic. Um, but the drum stayed in our shed. I can vividly remember where it sat in the in the top shed yeah. on top of a pile of timber for years and years and years. <laughs>
1: Well, I could have done with a bit of Holy Spirit on the bonfire that I tried to start after all the (laughs) rain we've had recently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, there's nothing like a bit of Holy Spirit when you're trying to get a fire going. That's for sure.
2: And and as far as it relates to this discussion on music, um, it ought to give us serious pause for concern. The Holy Spirit seems to lead people into worshipping God in some strange ways. Like, I mean... The idea that if we let the Holy Spirit in, it's going to result in a pretty steady state of things seems to be contradicted mm. by this whole passage in Ephesians, this whole book, saying that the Gentiles are in on it now, and the Jews aren't. Yeah, you know, that's surprising. Yes. Um, there's Abraham being told to sacrifice Isaac and then being told not to because there's the there's the sheep. There's Moses being surprised mm. by what God expected of him. Um, there's mm. uh, you know Peter being surprised at the vision of the of the animals coming down. Yeah. So what whatever this holy spirit influence is, it doesn't seem to be one that guarantees a comfortable familiarity. Mm.
0: No, almost to the point where if you are in comfortable familiarity, um you might be you might actually honestly be forced to question whether you are as open to the holy spirit's leading as you think you are because Um, you're right Cam and even the book of Ephesians in the first episode of this season we looked in the book of Acts where there's a little bit of a context described of the story of Paul in Ephesus and it opens with Paul finding some believers who did not yet he under have not yet heard all of the story of Christ explains it to them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they know the Holy Spirit comes upon them because they speak in tongues. And when we briefly discussed that, we, we expressed, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is awkward, I think, in our Adventist experience. Is this tongues um, a, a translated, you know, other earthly tongues from other cultures? Well, in the context of Acts' dis- description of, of Paul in Ephesus, on this occasion, it's not about helping other foreigners understand. It's, it's just... An evidence that the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So I'm just I'm just reminding everyone: the Holy Spirit is a key idea that's that's central here to the whole story of what's going on in Ephesus, in the background to this book of Ephesians. Um, and your point is well I mean, made. It, it, this description yeah.
2: of being drunk with the Holy Spirit lines up with their experience in Ephesus, as recorded in Acts. So the people he's spoken to may have some sort of first-hand experience of some sort of overpowering ex- experience. The, the other yeah. anecdote I wanted to share, Locke, is that there's been some discontent in our local church about reverence. And, oh. um, you know, th- this is an issue where there is legitimate cause for confusion and dissent within a church community. Because when you look at the rules surrounding the Old Testament sanctuary, when you look at what's described around the heavenly throne in Revelation, and it being very formal and very reverent, when you compare... Th- and, and Mount Sinai, you just put a foot on the mountain you die. When you compare that to Jesus saying to his disciples oh, no, the kids can interrupt church, that's fine, let them come up. and I'm in the middle of a story, but it doesn't matter. You know, it is really hard to reconcile those two. And so Christians with some degree of legitimacy can express support from the Bible for almost any stance on how formal worship should yeah. be and how reverent it should be. And this is a point of disagreement in the church, and it was brought to a headlock because a child threw a ball in church.
0: Oh no! What you need to do is you need to get the ball and a sharp texture, and you need to label the ball "Holy Spirit."
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, bit like, and it's and a bit like it's a bit like. Sorry, you go.
3: Luke. <laughs> well, I was I was just going to make a, a joke in a similar vein um, <laughs> that throwing balls is something which which brings to me a, a spiritual experience. Uh, yeah. And Therefore, I find it an appropriate
2: way of worship. It's a bit like it's a bit like, like us growing up, and we would draw Spitfires and hurricanes. Except on Sabbath, mm-hmm. they were still Spitfires and hurricanes, but they were missionary airplanes.
1: Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Cam Quite. I, I used to have my my uh, my missionary fighter jets. Hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You know, college <laughs> church would be
3: an absolutely fantastic place to play catch. Oh <laughs> you yeah. Go yeah. across the <laughs> centre from one wing to the other.
2: Well, I have to confess that I have thrown a paper plane from the back of college church and got it on the stage as a young child. It's something that cannot be attempted until it's at least past half past 1pm and your dad is on his sixth conversation and Sabbath lunches yeah. and the lights have been turned off and the deacons have disappeared. And, and at, that point, at that point, a child can get away with something like that. When, when I described this conundrum to one of my friends, um, uh, it was Kristen Thompson. Uh, Mm. her immediate response was what has that to do with reverence she said you can throw a ball reverently (laughs) (laughs) what a great response
0: look i think um we have so much we could keep chatting about but i'm looking at the time and i'm mindful of the edit and i think we should wrap up and ken i'm i'm wondering there's no pressure but i'm wondering whether you um, have any comments? we've been missing your your spiritual gift of synthesis at the end of each of our Listen, episodes. The I, I, I,
1: I don't have anything by way of exercising that spiritual gift today but I, but I just I was just looking at the next passage uh, that we're coming to and I thought maybe we could just sort of have a start of a segue into that. Um, if of course this is an inappropriate segue, um, it will be edited out. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the segue into the next one was I was talking to one of my colleagues and he shared a, a, a joke with me and I shared one in response which I thought was better and he agreed. Um, uh, and it was this. The next passage that we're looking at is the submission and the wives and husbands one. Mm. Um, and uh, the joke that I shared with him uh, uh, was um, if a man says something in a forest and his wife is not there to hear him, is he still wrong?
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you are. Well, we're we're super glad to have been able to get together with the four of us again on this one, and we can't promise it'll keep happening uh, super regularly. Life is is increasingly busy. Um, But we're also really glad to have had you as a listener uh, joining us on this episode. We hope that... um, like some of our previous episodes, this has been able to, um, fit into that, uh, that niche in your life. We've, we've not delivered too many in the way of uh, physics or maths anecdotes this time. Um, but we are grateful that you listen and we're very happy if you would like to share this podcast with friends and family and acquaintances. And we hope that you join us again for our next episode next week.